It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm, so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, man. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we gotta make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You can tell the mother guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jay. Millie's Alright, so we're in the car With me, John Corrales of Mass Live Joined by my Mass Live partner on the beat Tom Westerholm And B-Rob, Brian Robb of the Boston Sports Journal We're all in a car at... Two, almost 2 in the morning West Coast time. So this is almost 5 a.m. for us. This is how bad this trip has been. Why'd you say that, John? I didn't even know that information. Yeah. <laughs> I, feel, I feel 10 times worse now. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, two of the three of us have lost luggage. Shouts to B-Rob for <laughs> making it out unscathed. Um, so, yeah. So we're doing a podcast in the car. So you hear background noise and all this crap. Whatever. So, let's talk about this Kyrie stuff. What we're going to do, I'm, I'm going to play the entire thing. You're going to listen to all of the Kyrie interview. And then we're going to react to it. So, let's just do this. Listen to what Kyrie said at practice. In San Francisco. This kind of switching attitude, whatever. I'm going to play it now. We're going to react on the other side. Just talking about how... He views this trip as, as a positive for you guys, that you're going to be together and just make some difference than ones in the past. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that and just spending more time together on the road and at this juncture of the season? And how that I, help I mean, it's, it's important. Um, you know, it gives us a chance to really go against a great team. Um, we're going to build some pride around the road. Uh, you know, we're going to need it down the stretch. So, uh, obviously, it's... You know, it was pretty rough at home being there. Um, you know, just going through the losses at the All-Star break and not hitting the ground running like we would have liked. But, um, you know, that, that happens in the season. And, uh, you know, someone once told me that inspiration comes from the mountaintops and uh, maturity comes from the valley. And, uh, you know, we it's been pretty ugly at times. But I think that, um, you know, just great seasons or great things that happen uh, have come from a lot of just down and out times and, you know, guys being tried and especially in a team environment, you know, it's not the easiest thing. So, uh, you know, it's been a learning experience, but we're excited. We're excited to be going against these great teams uh, and really be on the road with each other. That, that quote you just mentioned, you get, do you talk about that to the team? Uh, it's more or less just a choice we all got to make. I mean, you know, coming out of All-Star break, it wasn't like the best type of energy that we, I'm pretty sure we all came back with that would have been great for the team. You know, I think it would have been great individually if you were going for, you know, still yours and stuff like that. Like I said, it's hard in the team environment, especially when you got guys, you know, we got six legit guys that could be primary options on other teams. And when you have that and you're trying to figure that out, it's not going to be the best. So, um, you know, I try to stay patient and all that and not try to uh, get too high or too low with it. Uh, you know, obviously I get annoyed pretty quickly. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, 
But, uh, you know, it's all part of it, so it's all part of it. What about you, uh, I just realized that, you know, it's not as bad as you, you make it seem, you know, you know, everyone's not at odds with you all the time, and, um, you know, you just get back to the root of what, you know, kind of makes you tick and why you love the game of basketball, you know, I said it before, but I didn't really come into this game to, to be cameras in my face, you know, be famous, be a celebrity, whatever embodies that, so it's, it's a little hard for me, you know, um, I wanted those things when I was younger, but now at this point in my career, I just want to play basketball at a very, very high level. And, you know, the distractions that come within the team sometimes can get overwhelming. And I'm human, so, um, and I just try not to let it seep into, you know, my teammates. And that's the most important thing is just, you know, set an example for these young guys. Um, and I don't even want to call them young guys, but to my teammates. They, they, they really have a, a great, great um, passion for the game of basketball, and they've shown that they can play at a high level now. It's just getting there on a consistent level. No, I mean, I get tired of all this stuff, just like everybody else. So, I mean, that, that, that's, I said it's a constant battle, you know, um, because media has just gotten just outrageous, you know what I mean? Like, I just saw something the other day where, you know, even, you know, because, um, you know, I, I mean, it's just, he's the greatest player playing our game right now, but even seeing somebody question, like, Bron's body of work, like my body of work, KD's body of work, and, you know, the team's success falls on the best player. And whether call it fair or unfair, but nobody should ever question what type of winner those guys are, you know what I mean, what type of winner I am, or whether or not I have the team in first mentality. You know, it's like nobody wants it to be solely about them, but we take most of the responsibility, and so does the head coach. So when you have that and you have a relationship that you have to build with that, and I've been doing it of being traded last year and just coming into this, it's a lot of news for our team. And, um, you know, we're still building for something. So uh, it gets to that point, you know what I mean? It's just like, you know, it, it just gets to that point. You know, I'm normal. So, uh, so. How does that impact players? It makes players very unhappy. Very unhappy, i tell you that. Uh, I think someone told me that Adam Silver was talking the other day about how unhappy NBA players are, you know, especially nowadays because of just the scrutiny, exploitation that we go through of, uh, you know, everything being judged or, you know, someone being, you know, a very high stature and people are just still throwing stones at them, just trying to break them and break them and break them and break them. And words are very powerful. And, you know, I don't want to disconnect from any other person that would take anything personal, you know, because I'm still that person as well. Um, you know, I don't try to read any more of that. I've disconnected completely from that social media hub, like I said before, which has helped me. But at the same time, it's what makes me great as well, um, is really just coming to work every single day and doing my job at a very high level and putting on the show for the people. You know, I'm an entertainer out there, but I'm a winner for performance. Like, when I used to be in my backyard playing one-on-one with my dad. Like, that was what was instilled me was that winning mentality. And when he taught me how to be in a team, that was the same thing. So. You know, it's just part of growing in the business and understanding how to find a balance between the work environment and your personal life. You know, so. Is this one of the more difficult seasons you dealt with, just with all the elements to the outside elements, the inside elements? Well, well, I don't. I wouldn't say the most difficult. I just think that it's been challenging in, um, in different aspects. Uh, you know, most importantly, just where I am in my career. You know, like. Like I said, my body of work coming up to eight years is, you know, it's set in stone. Like, you can go back and, and like, review it, you know what I mean? And um, 
when you come into you know in a, a situation where you know you're heading into free you have to answer every single question about the team you have to answer about the mood the attitude and you know you got I got away with doing that for so many years of you know being angry and not really being questioned about it or anything like that it's just like what's wrong with him and it's like it gets overwhelming at times just from you know you have high expectations you want it all right now and you have a particular level that I've been at for a long time since I was a kid I was blessed with a lot of talent and to be able to share that that would be beneficial for the group you know rather than thinking like I just have to compete with everyone else to be the best like no I am so it's not really like that component it's like what is going to drive this team what am I going to do to get the best out of my team so that's the thing that um you know it's a, like an evolving job every single day um, but it starts with my relationship with Brad you know us being on the same page you know he takes responsibility for our losses and wins I take responsibility for our losses and wins and we share it amongst everyone else because we all have a great hand in making us work so team is just it's a hard thing to, to like to put together are you and Brad well, we have a year in together, so I would hope after a year that we would go out closer. But um, also, he's never coached any player like me, so you know, it's like if you think about Brad's years, like of having just an established, you know, player where you know, I'm coming from a situation where I was on the number one team competing against Brad, and now I'm on his team, and now he's putting me in the system. So it's like that's a big transition for anyone to do, and. Um, I think that a lot of NBA players that don't, you know, realize how hard it is just to get traded or ask for a trade, that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do um, in my career because I had to talk to management, I had to go through the whole process, and it's a hard thing to do to move forward from that. I had to pick my family up and make a transition, and um, I'm doing the best I can with the, with, with the group I'm afforded because they're, they're really good guys and they show that we're capable of winning at high level. Thank you, NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked on NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Here we go! John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts.
Okay, boys, change in tone from Kyrie Irving, who the past, I don't know, week, two weeks, three weeks, has been terse, two-word answers, quick answers. Now all of a sudden he's, uh, I don't know, what do you call it? Re- uh, concil- conciliatory? Is that the word? Is that the word? It's, yeah, that's that's probably a reasonable reasonable word for it, yeah. Kind of apologetic? Not apologetic. Definitely say, not that. <laughs> did, did not did not apologize, no. <laughs> Kyrie Irving is never going to be apologetic. No, no, no. Okay. So, so Tom, why don't you start? What's, what's, what's your just general takeaway from Kyrie? Yeah, so I think I'm – a lot of people – we were talking about this right before we started recording. A lot of people, when I tweeted out the quote about um, how he doesn't really – like he's not here for all like the, the cameras and all that other stuff – um, basically every human being on earth made the same Uncle Drew joke, which was just like, ah, look at this guy. He, he, uh, he, he's making movies. He signed up to do another one. He's doing this like haunted hotel movie. Like, yeah, you don't like cameras, Kyrie. Like everybody was trying to dunk on him for that. And I just, I don't know that that is like, it was funny for sure. But like, I, I don't, I don't know that that's totally fair. Um, I think that like, that's, that's a separate thing. Like it's, it's one thing to like, want to be creative and want to get in front of a camera and want to like, you know, like act as uncle drew or, or whatever it might be it's another thing to have cameras in your face all the time to like to there's there's a big difference between choosing to be on camera and just being on camera because you're you and i think i i, I kind of understand his point there and you know when he said like you know this this is something i thought i wanted when i was a kid now i kind of or when i was younger now i kind of realize that i don't want it i mean yeah like that makes sense to me like you you know, your dream job, your dream, whatever is always going to be a little different than you think it's going to be. Um, so I have, I have no issue with any of that. I thought, I thought honestly it was, uh, it it was kind of relatable, um, on his part. And, uh, yeah, so I thought that was interesting. Then, um, plenty of other stuff to react to too, but that was the thing that really seemed to generate kind of the most attention was, was him, you know, saying that and, and everybody, uh, jumping on the, the opportunity to get their Twitter jokes off about it. (laughs) Yeah, I, I think I think that was fair. I think that's a fair assessment. B Rob, what do you think? I agree with what Tom said there. With all that said, bad timing, Kyrie. Like really <laughs> bad time. Like you're you don't say anything for a couple weeks and then you make you know, you can see that part of the argument that Tom laid out, which I agree with that was probably his intention, but with all the stuff that's happened in the last month and then you're complaining about, you know, cameras in your face, like which you've had for, you know, eight years of your career, like it's just, it, it's not a good look right now. And again, that's kind of the story of his his season, at least off the floor anyway, of just like he tries to do something and it just doesn't come out the way he wants it to or he's, you know, calling people out when he shouldn't be or he's, you know, making ridiculous, you know, turnovers or whatever on the floor and just looking <laughs> lethargic for the last few weeks. It's been a bit of everything, John, and um, this just adds to the list, I felt like. And, okay. I, and I will also say too your your comment earlier about him like apologizing, which um, I joked that he would never do. He definitely didn't apologize, but I did think it was interesting that he said like you know I, I don't want to call them the young guys like they're my teammates. Like he's clearly heard the noise that everybody's made about like all right man like the young guys is like you know it's sort of a not not a put down but sort of a sort of minimizing these guys um, like separates them it creates like a class yeah in the in the locker room so anyway i thought that was interesting but it, but i think b rob's got b, b rob's exactly right that it is kind of it is kind of just like a bad look given all of the just just all of the wild 
sort of swings back and forth that we've gotten from him recently and, and just how terse he has been over the last couple of weeks. Well, I mean, and to be fair, he did start with the whole team thing. Like he was asked, he was asked about the team and he was asked about the, the road trip. I mean, he did steer it in the, you know, after like this was the second question where he's like, you know, trying not to get too high, not to get too low, but I do get annoyed pretty easily. And then that was the opening to start the questions like, Hey, yeah. And like, we're all in the locker room. I think, I think that's the question. Like, I think three of the questions that were asked were like questions that we've wanted to ask, but just for people listening, like a post game where he's getting like two questions, two, two word answers. It's not, it didn't, it never felt like the right time to be like, Hey, what's up your ass? Yeah. It, it's a shoot around a practice is a much easier, calmer time where the pressure's off. There's no pregame or postgame routine or whatever the, the the emotions of a game. Like I think that was the appropriate setting. The thing is, we haven't had that opportunity to ask that question. So that opening came up, and I feel like a lot of people were like, "Yes, yeah. yes, I'm glad you brought that up." Um, I do think, like, Kyrie is, a, you know, a different kind of person. He's a different, he's different. And I think, I do think he's trying. But at the same time, he's also supremely confident in his own abilities. He recognizes his stature. He's not shy about putting himself in the same conversation as LeBron and Kevin Durant. Which he's is he at that level? Is he is he in that same conversation as those guys? Yeah, I wouldn't say. As no, those guys. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say so either, right? I mean, he's like he's, he's you know he's, he's in the next tier. He's top ten, probably. He's, he's in that conversation for sure. But but yeah, he's I mean, not. It's, it's you know it's, he's not LeBron, KD, Steph. Yeah, he's he's with the next crew, which is a, a still awesome crew. But like, you know, but he's he, in that crew when he's engaged too. True. Yeah, he had, that he has not been that guy for the last month. I would say he's had a great year overall. He was there for the first half of the season, but the last month, the numbers have been emptier, and the defense has been defense has been good. bad. Defense has been bad. Um, which was the thing that we were like really lauding him for at the beginning of the season. Like, wow, man, look at him trying on defense. Um, and when he doesn't try, that's like the Kyrie that we saw against um, Houston was the type of player that I was afraid of. So when I was opposed originally to the Kyrie trade, thinking that Isaiah Thomas would eventually heal and come back and be what he was with Boston, when people were like comparing the defense, like the defense that we saw for the most part against Houston was all very bad. And that's the type of defense where I was like, at least Isaiah Thomas has an excuse. Like Kyrie has no excuse. Um, and I just wonder, like, what prompted this? Like, all of a sudden, he just changed moods. Like, he's like, yeah, you know what? I've been, I've been annoyed, and I'm human, and things wear on me. I agree. Very relatable. Like, it's hard. Like, that part's hard. And I think, B-Rob, you got a point. But at the same time, 
he's a 26-year-old guy who is just growing up. Like, he's 26. Yeah. Like, that's that's how you act when you're 26. Yeah, you, you just don't know. There's certain shit you just don't know. Yeah, I think when you ask, like, okay, so what changed? I think one possibility is, I mean, we all kind of talked about this. This road trip here might be kind of a last gasp of what has been just a tremendously disappointing regular season. And, you know, maybe he's looking at this road trip and saying, like, all right, let me give this thing, let let, let me, like, really try to be on my best behavior. I'm going to really, like, you know, I'm going to answer questions. I'm going to like, you know, I'm just going to be absolutely on like the top of my, of my, of my game in terms of, you know, being engaged, being like, like a good team player, good sport, whatever it might be. Um, you know, maybe, maybe that's part of his consideration. Maybe he's thinking to himself like, all right, like if, if we're going to salvage this regular season, obviously, you know, he's focused on the playoffs, but if we're going to salvage this regular season, maybe this is the chance to, to do that. Maybe that, you know, you rattle off three out of four on this road trip. Things are looking a lot different, especially, uh, especially if one of those is, uh, you know, what, what is it going to be today? Whenever you post this, uh, yeah. t- today's game against the Warriors. Um, so I, I think, you know, that might be one of the things that's changed. It's just him kind of looking at, you know, what these four games mean to the team and him saying like, all right, everything that I can do, like, like I'm not, I'm going to try to not be like a distraction. I'm going to, you know, praise the young guys or at least like you know or not even praise but i'm gonna call the young guys my teammates i'm not gonna like i'm gonna try to not put any distractions out there for the next little while i mean i, I think that's i think that's plausible well yeah I, i'm i'm just like interested in the language that he's using where he um he talks about the the human side and what was it what was it that he said um Damn it, I'm just remembering. I had it in my head. I'm trying to blank. The, the mountaintops and valley line? No, that one That one was fine. That was more on the team thing. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's 2 o'clock in the morning here. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> two o'clock, yeah. This is 5 a.m. on six hours of sleep. Uh, but he was, I don't know. He, he talked about, oh, um, where he said, not everyone's against you. Like, it's not as bad as you think. Like that line there tells me that he's he's in his own head about the media scrutiny, the media coverage, the all of the the questions and the the time where he exploded, for lack of a better term, at Bullpet for bringing up the question about that video of him and Durant. Like that line kind of tells on himself a little bit, saying like he has been thinking. That people are against him. That people are at odds with him. Yeah, that, line, John, if you want it. Yeah, please. Quote, just realizing it's not as bad as you make it seem. Everyone is not at odds with you all the time. You know, just get back to the root of what makes you tick and why you love the game of basketball. That's the line. See, and I, see, that's that's interesting because what I what I took from that line was him saying like, um, like to to himself and to his teammates about each other. Like, yeah. you know, not everybody is. Like, you know, not he like maybe, I don't know, just as an example, not saying that these guys have been at odds or anything, but like, you know, maybe Jalen feels like, uh, you know, Marcus Morris has been, um, you know, like on him or something like that. And, you know, I, I kind of took it as like, not everything is as bad as you think it is. Not like we're not all against each other, you know, sort of a team unity thing. So that's that's kind of where I came um, came at it from on that particular quote. 
you still have the transcript up there? Uh, yeah. I have. So, but the previous question then was about his own personal stuff, right? Yeah. So he talked a little bit before that about like the free agency stuff and how you know. I can read the quote. He was like, when you come into a situation when you're heading into free agency, you have to answer every single question about the team. You have to answer about the mood, the attitude. I got a way of doing that for so many years, like being angry and not really being questioned about anything like that. Just like, quote, what's wrong with him? And it's like, it just get over, gets overwhelming at times just from, you know, you have to have high expectations. You want it all right now. I like, I like trying to read the stream of consciousness. Kyrie quotes. <laughs> But no, but see, now he's talking about himself there. So that's why I think the follow-up question, which I couldn't hear the follow-up question, but the follow-up question I think was to him about himself and that he was saying that it's it's not about people are at odds with you and everything. So I, I, I took that as he felt like things were being taken personally because later on he talks about him and KD and LeBron and people build him up and to try to break you and break you and break you. Like he, him versus the media has been a running theme throughout this entire season, especially since, since like the, the, I called LeBron post Toronto in January. To me, that's, that's the, that's the flashpoint with Kyrie. He, he came out and said, I called LeBron and thought he was being like big. He was being a big guy about it. And like, Hey, look, I'm growing. I'm maturing. I'm mature enough to call LeBron. And that blew up in his face. And a lot of, all the talking heads lost their minds. And then ever since then, I, I, as far as I can remember, ever since then, he's been different with the media. And I think since then, piecing together what he said here, he thinks that people have been attacking him personally and he's taken it personally. Yeah, I mean, to your point, like, he's had a lot of missteps this year, I feel like, with the media. Sure. And it's not just, like, the, the stuff you mentioned, Jonathan LeBron, but even before that, like, you know, the he's he's had a short fuse with, or not a short fuse, but he's he's called out guys on the team. Right. And publicly, and then he, you know, did a mea couple for that, but like... But the LeBron thing, it was an actual direct response to that. Exactly. And then that didn't come out. Like, he thought hopefully that would take care of it, and then that was taken. Some people took that as another shot at the young guys, being like, oh, what is he... So is he comparing, saying, like, he's calling his teammates, like, you know, young, clueless guys, like he was back then? Like, you know, so every, <laughs> right. everything everything he's trying to do, I feel like, I believe he has good intentions for them, or for a lot of it, but it's all kind of blown up in his face at one point or another, and and that's hard, and that's and so you can see why in his head he kind of could get an axe to grind there, and um, yeah, it's just like it's just another chapter of like you know it's chapter X of the tumultuous Celtic season right now. Yeah, the, but, the plan of Kyrie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wild story. You know, the, I think really the killer is I believe that Kyrie has a point. Like I don't think he's wrong. He's not saying it the right way. He's probably shouldn't have been saying it as much as he has in the media. Say it once, fine. Um, and he almost, I think, went down that same road with this thing too, because he started he started to say it, and then he kind of like said, "Yeah, we've got six guys who could be primary people, primary scorers, or primary options on on other teams." Um, and he again talked about how hard that is, 
Like I, another aspect of this press conference, let's just shift away from Kyrie. Kyrie, everything. Well, before you do that, just a yeah. quick side note. I would be fascinated to know exactly which six teammates he was talking about. <laughs> well, yeah, like, he says he six of about, us. He's talking about himself, Tatum. Yeah. Jalen. I assume he's talking about Gordo. Yep. Um, Jalen. And then is he talking about, like, who Al? after that? Al? Yep. Al and Mook. Is, he, is he talking about Mook? I, I think he's talking hey, about Mook. Listen, man. And, and, and I, not, I enjoyed it. <laughs> he's definitely not. I, I enjoyed Mook's 50-40-90 uh, starts the season as much as anybody. But a team where Mook is the uh, the primary offensive option is uh, Dude, got, he, he's got some problems. He's the best shooter in the league. I mean, he, he was. knows that for a fact. He, he was for a while, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. I just uh, I'd be fascinated to know which six teammates Kyrie was referring to there. Yeah, Bain, Bain should be on the list based on the <laughs> <of> his team. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he he shifted like he was talking about the team um, going back to like that and um, how hard it's been, like how hard it's been to integrate everybody, and it's still hard. To, to integrate everybody. He brought up Brad Stevens and being on the same page with Brad Stevens. Um, I don't I don't think he's been wrong about what has been plaguing the Celtics. And even when he said in the uh, we came out of the break with not the right attitudes and said like we came out with great attitudes for like our own individual selves. Basically saying what we've all talked about that they came out of the all-star break and everybody was back at square one going for their own, their, their own shit. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like everybody went home, everybody's friends talked them up. Like you're the, you're the greatest player out there. You should go out there and go for yours. And we went right back to the beginning of the season, square one. Everybody was kind of going for their own individual play. And that's why we had the same problems over this this first these first six post All Star break games, as we had in the first that big ten and ten opening to the season, it's a lot of the same shit. There was some of it. I would also say too, just like when you look at if you just kind of take it like game by game basis, right? Like, okay, Milwaukee, they very close, almost you know probably could have won that game um, against who had the team that's been the best team in the NBA. Uh, then the next game was Chicago, kind of a trap game. Anybody could have seen that that was going to be a trap game. Yeah, it was like a brutal performance, but, you know, like everybody throws a clunker every once in a while. And, like, but that game, I mean, we know that this team sort of, like, this team really goes against um, Brad Stevens, don't get too high, don't get too low. They get too low, and they get too high. Like, they just, that is, like, in yeah. their DNA. Um, so, you know, like maybe maybe guys went home, maybe guys have been more selfish, but I think and, and you know the offense has would bear some of that out. But I also I also kind of think like you know the, these guys really do kind of get into ruts, like they get into they get into their own head. They do feel like everybody's against them, um, and like I, I I kind of think that that might be the case as well. Where they came out of the break, you know they lost the first game, they got hit with that trap game, and then after that it's just been like sort of scratching and clawing just to like. Just, just to get any kind of traction again. Yeah, it's. Uh, I agree with a lot of what Tom said there. It's the offense. They've had the worst offense in the league since the All Star break. Yeah, and it's brutal. It's a lot of guys that are getting to a rut at the same time. Like Marcus Morris has come back to her very hard. Um, to the point that you almost are like, okay, 
that's going to normalize back up again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what Brad Stevens is counting on. And it sure it's is. It's really like it's it's going to be. It's, this is the ultimate test for Brad Stevens right now because it's he's all in, and I don't think he's going to make any huge shit. I mean, the guys are going to keep playing. He's stuck with Terry Rozier through thick and thin. He's obviously sticking with Mook. Um, and at this point now, it doesn't really matter for the regular season because it all comes down to the playoffs because they're nothing three, four, five. It's not going to matter where they land anyway if they if they're not playing well. So we'll see if and they, it's not going to matter if they are playing well because if they're playing well, they can beat any of these teams. Right, exactly. Yeah, and so that's that's the thing. Like you, you you need to be playing well, and if you aren't playing well, you're going to come out of any of those slots. Um, so yeah, this is. I mean, that, I I'm one for like why not throw some other random stuff out there in the meantime to try to get home court advantage? But if that comes at the cost of damaging the guy's psyche then he probably just is going away from it, I feel like. Yeah, I I think that, I think you're right. Like, Brad's all in. And his, <laughs> his, the the greatest, the he's greatest, that's, he's, he, the greatest chance the Celtics have to turn things around, still, even after all of this, even as bad as they look and as, as many people are saying, they're gonna. They're, why are you still talking about this? They're gonna lose in the first round. Why do you even bother entertaining this thought? Because there is still the possibility that these guys find something, and their best chance to find it is to simply become fully engaged and play like they play in the fourth quarter against Houston versus how they played in the second quarter against Houston. Well, and it's kind of like what Brad was saying after the last game, which was just like everybody's just got to play better. Like it, it's really simple. Like it is, you know. Like he he brought up, um, he said Danny has a couple of times now said um, that <laughs> we're coming up on a, on a thing here. We're driving through California, and I don't know what what is that? What is you a fast? Toll. Yeah, I think you got the toll thing here. Oh, a fast track. Yeah, okay. yeah. All right. Fast lane. Yeah, All just right. go through it. All right. uh, go through it. That's yeah, fine. All right. Uh, that was uncomfortable. All right. <laughs> but anyway, so after the last game, I thought it was really interesting that, um, you know, Brad brought up what Danny Ainge had said about, like, when the Celtics have five or six guys playing well at the same time, they're really tough to stop. They're just, like, a really tough team to beat. And that's 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 all they need. Like, you know, they just need guys to play well because they've got the talent. They've got, like, they've got more than enough talent. Um, they, they just need enough guys all playing well at the same time um, to make that work. I mean, who 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 was playing well against Houston? Jalen, I mean, Kyrie sort of, but a lot of his numbers were kind of empty calories. Um, Al's been good. Al's been, Al's been really good. But yeah. So that's like When's the last time they had six guys playing well, though, do you think? Like, consistently. <laughs> yeah, I mean. The last Golden State game. The last time they did yeah. was the last Golden State game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's even even their wins post-All-Star break, they definitely have not had that. Like, the Washington win, no. I mean, even the, the Portland loss where everybody was, like, quote, encouraged, like, no. I don't really. think they played that well. No. I, at Brad Stevens, I think, in that post-game press conference after Portland, forced himself to say the right things. Yeah. But you could wanted, tell he – talk up his guys. Yeah. He – 
I felt like he wanted to be like, that sucked, and I have to be, whoa, watch out. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. It was, it's, uh, it's, it's very simple. Do you guys think they all can play well together, though? Like, we're 60 games into the year. I think that's it's, a really good it's happened. It's happened, like. Can they do it for 48 minutes? They can for short stretches. But, but it's almost like game series. it's almost like those short stretches don't matter though because it's like all right great like you you can play like you you can play together well for a few minutes like anybody can play together well for a few minutes it's like you you've got to you've got to you've got to piece that together for a forty eight minute game and if if you can't do that then because like there's always going to be an ebb and flow within a game and like if you're like if you can't consistently keep it high then you're not a good unit. You're not, a, you know what I mean? Like that, then like that, you're just not good at that point. <laughs> That's true. You're not good. If you can't play good basketball. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, you're gonna, like, but <laughs> like you can have good stretches, but you're, you're not a good team if, if you can't put it together. So, well, this, this goes into the, the theory that when the playoffs roll around and it's all about winning, it's not about individual stats anymore. It's that it's easier to do that. It's easier to play, more freely because you know that there's like a, a loss. They, they could go zero and four on this trip, and we'll all lose our minds. But they go on four; it won't matter necessarily because they're still going to be the fifth seed. They're still going to face Philly, probably. Yeah. They're they'll have a decent shot at getting out of the first round. That's a good matchup for them. And no matter what happens, even if they go on a run or if they lose almost lose out they're still they still have to go on the road to face Milwaukee and Toronto if they get that far so losses now don't matter but losses in the playoffs when it's a seven game series and you lose a game you're like ah shit <laughs> then then the urgency kicks in the, theoretically the urgency kicks in and that's why people like Doc Rivers said when the playoffs come around it gets easier to, to put individual stuff aside because you, you you have no choice anymore. Like, right now, they still have a choice. And in the playoffs, they, they kind of don't. Well, they do, but it'll just mean, like, a very quick exit. Yep. All right. I, I just wonder if they can win on the road, period, against good teams. Yeah. Like, they couldn't do that last postseason. Obviously, you get Kyrie in the fold now to help on that front, but... I think they're over two and ten against five hundred and over teams this year on the road. Like that's where you know the, these and I think the one games of those, don't matter, but like yeah, it's like and one of those wins was OKC where they had to rally back exactly. from like twenty down. Yep. Yeah. So, but the other win was Philly, right? Right. Well, yeah, because they just don't lose to Philly. Right? <laughs> so I want to I want to see a non-Philly yes. road win. <laughs> that, that would be nice. That would be nice. That's the you know this trip. Well, we'll see. They've got four chances to get a non-Philly road win in on this trip. Lakers don't count. Yeah, Lakers definitely don't count. <laughs> uh, starting with Golden State, if they can if they can beat Golden State, then boy, that narrative changes a lot. But uh, we'll see. All right, that's it. Hope you've enjoyed our little car ride conversation. Uh, this is a great use of our time because it's late, man. I don't know what. The <laughs> so everybody, thanks for listening. Hope you've enjoyed it. This has been the Lockdown Celtics Podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and Jay King. Lockdown Celtics.
Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feet every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.